0: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
1: Shake Them Ropes 284, the first episode after Labor Day, means we're heading into fall. I'm here joining me, as usual of late, Chris Novembrino. And Chris, with Labor Day past us, you put the white away, and you have your choice to make. Are you a pumpkin spice guy, or are you an apple cinnamon guy?
0: Oh, this is a no contest. I'm a pumpkin everything guy. Pumpkin. Oh no! 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 Well, hold on, this, this is not some posery bullshit thing. This this goes this goes back to the '90s, my man. This is this is a long-standing Novemberino passion. I love pumpkin flavored things, and you're not going to shame me. So go ahead and try.
1: I'm not gonna. No, I'm not gonna shame you for it, but but I had a poll going on with uh with with the special lady friend who uh who has always lost every poll she's been when she does her friends, because it was like brisket versus pumpkin pie. And then it was, uh, today it was pumpkin spice versus apple. It was basically versus apple cider, but she meant apple cinnamon. And, of course, apples, apple cinnamon's going to run away with it. I, I am not a pumpkin guy. I think pumpkin is, I, I just have never liked the taste of it. You just have to put too much in it in order to make it taste good for me. I, I've always, but, but boy, I do love me a good cider mill in the fall i i will go there i will drink my apple cider and have my fresh donuts and 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 love it
0: i like pumpkin pie i like apple cider i like the leaves turning colors i love fall it's my favorite season of the year
1: oh so wwe this week around the horn the may young classic starts raw smackdown 205 live everybody's getting ready for australia where do you think we should start here
0: Let's start with the flagship show, Raw, the three hours that you always feel better after having watched. Where would you like to begin?
1: Well, I I would like to begin with possibly, I, I think it's a dangerous move because they're not subtle enough to pull it off. Why is Drake Maverick the guy with the AOP?
0: Okay, I'm totally with you on this because I had a different vision of this where it's Drew Gulak as the manager of the Authors of Pain, and it's a thousand times better because he makes a better 205 Live by bringing in the authors to write the next chapter of 205 Live, and it creates all this controversy in 205 Live because now you have these two super heavyweights who are bullying around all the cruiserweights, and Drake Maverick has to countervail against Drew Gulak. And it's way more interesting than Drake Maverick having to do this like split persona thing and telling Mustafa Ali, "Don't worry about what I do on Monday night." No, I'm totally with you on this. I don't love Drake Maverick as the manager for the Authors of Pain, even though I really like Drake Maverick.
1: I do too, and and I'm uh, you know what you're 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 still a little of my thunder, but but I'm gonna keep going with it because I I agree with you, especially the split personality thing, and here's why. In a different company, you could do this. You could do the, as I like to say, the Earth One Drake Maverick, and then the Earth Three Bad Drake Maverick on another show, and keep them entirely separate. But there, but number one, character continuity to me is kind of important. <laughs> no way. Well, when they do the trip, well, when they do the Triple H, father of NXT versus the game type stuff. But their, their inclination is always to turn the guy heel, and I don't want another heel authority figure on 205. It's already a likable enough show that's struggling. I think heel authority figure just would make, and I think that's how they're going to eventually have to go here. Um, also, it would have probably made that entire beatdown of the Shield Monday night a little bit better with, since it seemed like Drew Gulak was running that show versus, and Drake Maverick was nowhere to be found out there. So it's, you know, it's another one of these continuity things where it's like, okay, is Drake going to slowly go heel on 205 as he's kind of like telling Mustafa Ali his place and how he's the boss, et cetera, et cetera? Or are they going to, I mean, I, I just don't see them having a mature enough vision to be able to keep those two totally separate
0: no and i'm very worried that we're gonna have in ring drake maverick which is going to be the Zelina vega problem only now with drake maverick where you have this perfectly good non-wrestler who becomes less interesting once you put them in the ring because that's not where they're the strongest
1: yeah and i'm i'm i don't are you a fan of dressing up drake maverick no no i want him
0: to be in a if he's going to be the manager of the Authors of Pain, and I don't want that. I want Drew Gulak to be the managers of the Authors of Pain, but deal with the world as it is, Chris. Okay, fine. If he's going to be the manager of the Authors of Pain, he should be wearing an all-black suit, kind of like how Paul Ellering was playing it, maybe with less weird leather stuff and more just dark clothing, where he is the mastermind of these guys. I don't like him as the S.H.I.E.L.D., or cosplaying The Shield with the authors.
1: Yeah, it, it, I think it has to be a rib. It has to be a rib on it. Oh, look how cute Drake Maverick is, playing Soldier. Oh, look at that. <laughs> <Dress him up. laughs> I, I looked at that. I went, all right, whose kid is dressing up Army right now? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Um, so The Shield is back. Oh, and leading the beat down as well, first thing. Oh, look who's back after turning in his resignation last week. Good old Kevin Owens.
0: All right, Jeff, you've now brought us to our new segment here on Shake Them Ropes. It's the inaugural I Feel Dumber for Having Watched Award, or we can call it the dummies. And I'm going to keep a running list of these now. And the dummy this week goes to Bobby Lashley, Kevin Owens, and Jinder Mahal. For whatever the hell it is that they put in the ring there, Bobby Lashley's character is now just saying, my man, all the time, and smiling, and, like, some of what Lashley does sort of kind of works, but, like, the my man thing is absolutely grating, and I don't even know what the hell this Jinder Mahal thing is. It's awful, and then Kevin Owens shows up at the end of this segment, and his retirement was all of one week, so... This was real bad, and I feel dumber for having watched it, so enjoy your dummy, guys.
1: <laughs> I No, for me, I, I was just upset that he was helping Braun Strowman. That, that for me, was the was the kicker. Also a problem. Because I'm just like, okay, you know, I mean, this, this is one of those things where we in the commentariat tend to get a little bit too big for our britches, and we're thinking of all these great ideas where it's like, oh, well, maybe Kevin Owens will come back and be a babyface to fight Braun, and that's how they'll rehabilitate him after all those losses, et cetera, et cetera. No.
0: Occam's razor from last week was not, well, you know, the retirement will only be one week, and next week he'll be back and helping Braun Strowman.
1: Well, you you remember when, when CM Punk, you know, left with the title and had the picture in the fridge and all these all these great ideas people had like, Oh, well maybe he'll go to ROH. Maybe he'll go to new Japan. Maybe he'll do all those things in the, uh, in the promo that he said he'd do. And then it turns out that, that they meant that promo to be a heel promo in the beginning. And that the threats were basically, you know, mentioning the companies because, (laughs) because they had no intention of doing it. They just wanted to get heat for him mentioning other companies for the most part. And to kind of, you know, blur that line. But, I saw, you know, all these things, you know, when he was at Comic Con and all these, all these fantastic ideas for CM Punk. Of course, he just comes right back. I mean, they have, they don't have the patience or the forethought to do those types of stories. So of course, he's come back immediately. It, it's, it's, you know, it, it's one of those things where I'm just.
0: <laughs> one week is bad, even by their standards, though. This is pretty brutal.
1: Well, but I mean, time never passes in the WWE universe either. I mean, there's no character progression, so why would you expect it on stories where they actually leave? It's just like, well, he's back. Maybe in story, it was like a comic book. You know, I've already mentioned Earth 1 and Earth 3. Maybe he was really gone for 40 years on another Earth, and he came back in that one-week period, and, and just this is this is what it is. So the S.H.I.E.L.D. gets arrested. They're back. By the end of the night? You know what that means, Chris?
0: Big heel beatdown because we need to reestablish <laughs> the shield and they're going to need to blaze a path of destruction, which means Mojo Rawley needs to get camera time.
1: Well, no, I was going to say night court in Columbus. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. Absolutely. Harry, Ander- Harry Anderson lives, everybody. <laughs> I was going to try to do Shake the Ropes Theater, but I just didn't script out anything I thought improvise would be bad for. It, but I just, I howled at that. I'm like, really? They got to see a judge at this time of night? That quick of a turnaround? And and, and being, the, working in legal as I do, I, I love the line, they were released, they posted bail and were released on their own recognizance. You either post bail or you're released on your own recognizance. You don't do both. (laughs) It's just like, all right, if you're going to use these terms,
0: (laughs) use them correctly. (laughs) This is like when someone discovered the term abeyance a couple of years ago or a few years ago.
1: Oh, the the Vince McMahon thesaurus, which has decimate on every other page?
0: Yes, Uh, right, right, right. Absolutely. So, I, I mean... This is a very tired angle this whole the is good it? guys. I feel like the baby faces is getting arrested and getting out of jail is played out. I, oh, I don't that know. Is. Maybe that plays for the younger kids and that sort of thing. But for me, I'm like, ugh, I've had enough of this.
1: no. i I really like. I like the villain beatdown. I like the heel beatdown. I, I like I love that, that as, part.
0: No, I like that. And that gives the S.H.I.E.L.D. something to do here, which is going to be good.
1: Well, here's where the problem is. Like, one of my favorite stories in comics, and I've brought this up on this show before, I love the, the assault on Avengers Mansion by the Masters of Evil back in the, I think it was the mid-'80s, late-'80s, where just a bunch of B-villains got together, said, we're tired of this. Hey, they always advertise where the Avengers live. Let's go to their house and just beat the crap out of them. And that's what they did. It was like 15 or 16 bad guys going in there. And all all that's home at the time is like the Black Knight, Hercules, and their butler. So they just beat the crap out of these guys. And then eventually the, the Avengers have to come back and, and just absolutely beat the crap out of these fools. But I like that as a story. And the WWE also did something like this. I think it was 93 when it was yokozuna versus the undertaker and you had this this ragtag group of guys it was like it was the head shrinkers jeff jarrett tenru kabuki diesel and jeff jarrett i think but the problem for me is they never tell this story they either go right to the bad guy the main bad guy behind it and do it or i get the feeling it's gonna be heel commissioner baron corbin Basically going, okay, we're gonna have a match, the shield versus the entire heel locker room.
0: Yeah, you know that's where this is going. Like next week is going to be an extended angle getting the shield over where the shield is going to run some sort of crazy gauntlet, and we're going to establish that they're great because the shield has run this sort of gauntlet.
1: I don't mind but I don't mind that. I but I think the story is the shield individually or or as a threesome going one by one and getting individual revenge. I think, you know, kind of like a Western.
0: Well, I think they're going to get individually wrecked, and then they're eventually, as a unit, going to get revenge. So next week might be the Dean Ambrose in a singles match, and he gets tormented. Seth Rollins in a singles match, and he gets tormented. Roman Reigns in an unfair singles match, and he gets tormented. And then the week after, we get the Shield riding back in like the Western you speak
1: of. Oh, well, no, but, but I mean, what I meant was, like you know like a video game progression where you go through different guys one at a time before getting to the main boss as opposed to like a gang fight you know like mike kanellis is gonna be that first guy because mike kanellis was out there getting his stuff in along with who drew golok the authors of pain were out there um kevin owens Was Mojo out there? Yeah, he was out there. No,
0: Mojo was out there. He was in all black. So yeah, it's going to be the D-level guys or the C-level guys, and we're eventually going to build up to the Braun and Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler faction. I, let me just stop on Dolph here for a second, am not in love with Dolph. As the leader of this faction and whatever he's doing as a character right now feels so lieutenant and not general at all.
1: Hmm. I I, I sort of agree. Well, but that's because Braun's the general. Is that think, the deal? Think, is, is Braun yeah. the
0: general? Is that like, I, I, and see, that's the problem is I don't necessarily feel like the leadership's really clear here. I get that Braun's the monster we're getting the belt on, but it does still kind of feel like Ziggler's almost the general in a way.
1: It, you know what it is? It's kind of like that Hogan vibe in the original NWO where it's like he's the third guy, but he's taking so much of the center screen to it. Right. Right, or, or or even like a like a Tully, Tully originally in the Horseman type thing, where he still had that edge, where you you where people who had been watching for more than a year knew he had been fighting with Flair, and you're wondering, well, is he going to turn on Flair at any time? I I don't know. I I'm. They don't do stables well.
0: No, and there's too many now. And things are weird in the tag division too. All right, so Jeff, what do you think's going
1: on with the revival? Are they turning babyface? No, I think they just gave up on the B Team revival program because it didn't get over last week. I, I I did like the touch that the revival did not come out to help the Drew faction. I think. Right. That, I mean, they may they may have been beat up, but I like that. I'm I'm a little torn here because my my '80s old school fandom. Would say you make you make the revival tough enough to be able to take on a Drew Dolph team one on one and hold their own even if they lose and they look good as opposed to just kind of getting slaughtered week after week. But the point is to make this a main event stable for the Australia show. So I don't think that's going to happen. I I would I would love to see them be more devious and a stronger team after this beat up, beat down. But but I don't see that. I, I think it was just an abandonment of B-team revival to put the belts on guys that quote-unquote matter and to make this Shield uh, program a little stronger.
0: The belts are in a better place now. I I'm worried about the revival. I just think that in this current tag division, especially with the authors of pain on the horizon here, there is no clear plays for the revival to fit in particularly on the heel side of the ledger other than I don't know maybe as like Baron Corbin's henchman or something like that I just you and I both like them I would like to see the revival doing top guy stuff or at least mid-card guy stuff that's interesting and I'm worried we're not even gonna get that.
1: Well, I'd like them. I'd like them over on SmackDown, personally.
0: Yeah, that'd be good too. Maybe, maybe that is what happens. Maybe the revival goes. Fuck it, we're leaving Raw, and we're gonna move over to SmackDown.
1: Well, there's another. Well, I don't know. They're rebuilding that tag team division with our new special tag team.
0: Yes, they are. We have Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. So. It's interesting because I think what we're building to is a feud between Root and Gable here where Root's ultimately going to end up going heel, but boy, Chad Gable was super excited to be with Bobby Root. It was like they were way too excited, like they'd never met each other before.
1: I liked the team. I loathed the interaction.
0: Yeah. I, I did. I like the team. The interaction's a lot.
1: Yeah, I don't, I'm not, but I think you're exactly right. I think that's the move here and it gives Gable something to do and I got no problem with that. I'm... You know, it looks like, you know, the good news is they're keeping Gable on the main roster as opposed to moving him to 205. The bad news is he's going to get stuck in this until they figure out what exactly they want to do with him. Because, look, it's still a size business. They don't let people cut promos to really get themselves over. He's going to have to do things on his own in terms of in-ring work and be really spectacular. You know, I think the matches with Root'll be pretty darn good, but they'll be five to seven minutes and, and they'll be just good as opposed to as opposed to really, you know, those awesome types of American Alpha versus the revival matches we were used to in NXT. But what we
0: will probably get here is a feud with Gable and Rude versus whatever the Ziggler and McIntyre factions ultimately going to get called here, and that probably means a good and competitive match between Ziggler and Gable that will probably get some time here on one of these Raws, and okay. that will be worth it. I, I, I'm looking for bright sides here, and I'm kind of looking at booking patterns and. I think that that is a bright side in the booking pattern of this pairing, and I do think that the Rude and Gable feud ultimately will be good for both of them, because Rude really needs to not be a babyface as much as everyone loves his theme song. He's just not good as a babyface. It's just an entrance, and his Gable really needs are, to be over. His promos
1: over. as a babyface are terrible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they really are. And I remember when Bobby Roode was doing his sort of main events. like, I forget, what you, I don't know what you'd call his gimmick in TNA back in 2013, but that gimmick that he was doing five years ago, that's essentially kind of what the Glorious Gimmick is based around. Yeah. And I, that worked great as a heel. That was a top of the card act, even if the matches weren't always great. He just he can be a really good heel. It's just not clicking right now.
1: Chris, I'm gonna ask you something and I'm gonna back off and I'm gonna give you some space to to uh to answer. What was the point of that Charlotte and Becky one on one on SmackDown?
0: That is a really good question because Charlotte's <laughs> clearly written as a babyface, but Becky keeps getting cheered, and I don't know how you script out those lines and then look at them on paper on the Becky side of it. And not go, I bet you the crowd will cheer after that line.
1: Because everything about that, the, the Charlotte may have been, those may have been baby face lines, but that was heel delivery. And I still don't buy the double turn yet because they haven't really made Becky sympath- do anything sympathetic right? other than go, uh-huh, or whatever. And I think their plan is, and I, I can see them just basking in the brilliance, that oh this is one of those programs where audiences will get to choose sides as opposed to us telling them what what it is as uh, you know when when really uh, look i i'm i'm a believer in conditioning i i think i think you you have to at least give the initial thing of okay you you can't leave it in the They're not good enough writers or producers or whatever you want, whoever's to blame for this. This is
0: not choose-your-own-adventure, or it shouldn't be choose-your-own-adventure all the time. Most of the time, this should be I'm telling you the story, and you're following along and liking the main characters, if you get it right. Although sometimes you, this is the luxury of wrestling storytelling, sometimes you can throw it to the audience and go, is this working? And they will give you, yay! Or they will give you, no, this is not working. And they're getting that clear message here.
1: Here here here's 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 the issue and I I I think I know kind of what they're doing here but they're not it's not they're trying to make it seem like these two are really still kind of friends underneath it all but that this really hurt Becky and there hasn't been it it it's not one of those things where it's been heated enough for me to believe that Becky's really been hurt by what Charlotte did And the problem is Charlotte's coming off as a bit ballsy in terms of taking advantage of the situation and not really—it's not subtle enough, but it's also not heated enough to be hate. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely.
0: Because the way Charlotte won that match, it was within the confines of that match— but it's hard to look at that win for Charlotte as a noble win. Becky was in the process of making Carmella tap out, and then from behind, Charlotte hit the natural selection. And yes, again, that's within the confines of the match, but the attack still came from the behind.
1: Well, I just it's, it's scripted like an argument as opposed to being a real argument. Like for me, Becky would continue to be hammering. You shouldn't have taken the match in the first place. I would have given you a match. You know that kind of that kind of mantra as opposed to arguing about the in match story, so to uh, speak. That's also a problem
0: you, too. Yeah, no, you're you're right. You're right.
1: But 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 it's like it's like like I had a falling out with my best friend and we didn't speak for a year and you know it 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 has ebbs and flows to it that the WWE doesn't quite get in terms of their dialogue in terms of you know one day you're really going to hate him next day you're going to feel kind of ambivalent and you're going to feel bad about being angry at him and then maybe you you make up but there's always going to be those times where where it's like okay now i remember why i hated you for a while <laughs> but you'll get over it you know they there's they're, they're shifting emotions in there and y- you haven't really gotten to that point yet in this feud
0: yeah no that's totally true that's totally true where do you want to go next
1: see i liked smackdown overall i just have no use for the mixed match challenge uh it's going to be longer this year as a round robin um i loved everything about r-truth carmel and maurice
0: boy r-truth was really good on this
1: episode wasn't he as stupid as that gimmick is and as and as no, mean as it's been towards it. him, yeah, he's He's very good, at, good it. at it. But it, you know, it's been a rub rib on him. And I liked the yeah. callback. I liked the callback of Miz of when was the last time we teamed seven years ago, which was the to- which was basically around the time when r truth had to do this because they they had turned him heel for that one shot for uh, John, John Cena. Cena, and then they and then they did the team with the Miz and 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 truth that ended way too quickly. But and and Mrs. I've kind of graduated and you're kind of stuck in this type of thing. I liked that interaction. I liked the fact that heel Maurice doesn't like heel Carmella. I think mean people and heels should hate other heels. Just as I think faces should occasionally both not like, like other, and faces. Hate other faces. Yeah, absolutely. Well they can or they you know, there's nuance to it that I really dug. And yeah, our truth. Fantas- even if it, even the end game is just to get to this mixed match challenge, fine. Get it on mixed match challenge, so I never have to see this this Vega uh, Sin-car- not Sin Cara. Oh no, no. You, you're, you're,
0: this is the problem. Poor Andrade is moving down into the Sincara territory.
1: Well, it's just it's it's a it's a mantra, of performance that you do things to make your guys look good. And they shouldn't be making people who can't speak great English try and speak English because... It's so cruel. Someone needs to work with
0: him because he understands the words. He knows the syntax and the structure of these sentences, and his issue is pronunciation. And this is WWE, and there should be someone there who can help him with articulation and pronunciation or don't put him on the microphone because this right now is cruel and it's stupid and it's not maximizing his talent.
1: And it's slightly, you know, I'll say it, it's slightly racist yeah, it to is. do that. Yeah, to, it is. Because they did this with Nakamura. You know, I, I mean, to me, and look, I, I, I'm I, going to sound like a broken record here because I've mentioned, look, I've done 280, what, four episodes of this show. At least on 100 of them, I've said, let them just cut the promos in their native tongue because they'll get the emotion across. And that's all we need is the emotion. And then Zelina Vega... Basically, they can go over what it's going to be beforehand, and I don't know how well Zelina Vega knows Spanish. I think she does, but I don't know if she does. Give her the gist, give her the bullet points of the promo and let her translate whatever it is, if we need to. If you can't do subtitles, if you can't... But let him have his natural emotion out there and get build a little heat for this, as opposed to then having Daniel Bryan clown him and go, well, what did he say? It's like... That, I'm tired of man-woman choreography, you know, man hits move, woman hits move, this, that, the other.
0: It's also cliche, too, at this point. We
1: have a, but we also, I mean, we talked about the Drake Maverick issue before. We have an issue with the Bellas now. Because it feels like Nikki's going to go heel to turn to go against Ronda. Yes. But Bree is now stuck, but Bree is stuck with Daniel Bryan in terms of being a babyface. Now, we've split them up before, but now they're a kind of a package deal and welcome them back so that Brie can almost kill herself doing a suicide drive.
0: Yeah, that was so bad that even on the instant replay, they didn't want to re-show it. They mentioned it on commentary like, wow, it's amazing she recovered after that suicide dive, and what we did not see at the replay at the end of the match was another shot of that suicide dive because she did almost kill herself trying to do that suicide dive.
1: Look, there's something about knowing your abilities and I'm sure she's done it in practice but again I'm me personally I'm a little over the the exaltation of the Bella's contributions to the women's revolution and
0: yeah yeah and especially now that they're not at their peak ring conditioning or anything like that, I don't need them to be having these great matches, nor do I need them to be presented as quote-unquote great wrestlers. Because, like, look, they did their thing and they had their time, but their time has passed.
1: I I appreciate what they've done in terms of the total divas, total bellas, to get WWE out there in the zeitgeist. I get that, because that's the whole point of WWE. whole point of WWE is not to have a great wrestling company. It's to create, you know, create these marketing brands that you can you know make toys and sell breakfast cereals and they're really good
0: characters too they're like what the wwe wants the iconics to be but they aren't the disingenuous bella character i mean some of it's just that they're not great actors or actresses but (laughs) that's just it yeah yeah, right no but it works so great as heels because they're bad at delivering the lines and they deliver them robotic and unfeeling and sometimes it's awesome like Oh, wow, Rhonda, you should really take care of those ribs really good.
1: Well, that's just it. They're reality stars for being famous, and it's like this, this. oh, we're acting for the show and we're celebrities, and, and they are these archetypes, and then you watch them try and deliver lines, and you're just like, so, it's like, how? How? Because- I know.
0: It's, it's like a musician who needs chord charts when they get on stage to play the set.
1: I've 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 railed long enough on the Bellas before because I, some of my comments have been just downright mean. They're they're I'm sure they're very nice. It's just one of those things where it's like they come back and they're all and they're thrust in the spotlight and you're like I know why but it, I think it's undermining a bit and plus I just could, I, it's the acting thing for me and that's just coming from my wheelhouse. I'm just like oh <laughs> no it's
0: like watching the room sometimes
1: it's like well but i but i was like I'm, i remember i watched a couple episodes of total bellas because i think rob made me do it i was like going well who's the smart twin and i was all and my real <laughs> joke, and, I, and my real cruel joke was you know i think Bree's the one that that did a lot of studying and got a C, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. And it's just like, there's no, it's that wooden robotic ability or uh delivery, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think Nikki, I think that whole training thing with, with Natalia was the setup for her eventually saying, I'm, you know, you're in here now, I should have been, whatever, you know, Nikki's turning heel, I think.
0: First, they're going to poison the well between Ronda and Natty, and then they're going to turn heel. Do you
1: think they're both, do you think Brie turns heel with them, and then maybe they do, like, heel on Raw, face on SmackDown type thing?
0: I haven't the faintest idea. I haven't actually given a lot of thought to what Brie Bella will be doing in the coming weeks here.
1: Well, no. Well, no. Well, you probably should because she's part of that big Daniel Bryan. It Miz is true. It
0: is true. I guess she has. Maybe Brie gets split off from uh, Nikki at some point. Maybe that's how we do this. Well,
1: because she gets such huge cheers for doing the Daniel Bryan moves. You know, unless she kicks Daniel Bryan in the back of the head and lets Ms. win, which I think would be kind of awesome. I, oh, I that'd be great. That happening.
0: Man, sabotaging wife Brie Bella. Actually, would be a great angle is Brie Bella is just constantly trying to sabotage Daniel Bryan. It's really fucked up in, like, late 80s. Uh, but... <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, my God! It's like all the reality stars team up against the one guy who just really does not care about reality fame at all. It'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd love to go in depth about 205 Live, but I think 205 Live did itself a disservice by announcing this Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander match for Australia because it means everything regarding yep. the Drew Gulak story.
0: It's just is there. Moot. Yeah, exactly. I, I that was the worst thing. I, I saw that. And I was like, oh no, because there aren't. A lot of storylines moving through 205 Live, and really, all of the undercard feuds are very incidental and interchangeable, and people hate this person, and that person hates that person, and the Lucha House Party is feuding against whoever they're feuding against, and they're not fighting for belts, so it's just fighting for fighting's sake, and the only thing that matters is the top title, and so when you tell me that I really need to keep my eyes on the Australia show... Then I don't have to watch until after the Australia show, which sucks. Um, Nome Dar as a babyface is still not clicking for me. And we already talked about Drew Gulak. but actually, you know, Tony Neese and Grand Metal League, hey, guess what? This is gonna surprise you. They had another really good match, but the finish was a little I, silly.
1: Yeah, as did TJ Perkins and uh and Cedric Alexander. I love TJ Perkins. I just think uh you know, I, I just think it's one of those things where you know, TJ's been so damaged since the Cruiserweight Classic that, you know, his heel shtick.
0: This gimmick hasn't really ever settled into, like, the gamer heel version of TJP. There's a character there. He's just not quite doing it. What, what I'm almost reminded of, if if you recall, is uh, DJZ. You remember DJZ? Yeah. Zima Ion? Like, TJP could be channeling a little bit more of that... And have I think more success, but it's just tough. This is a mid card on two hundred five live that really is just wrestling for wrestling's sake.
1: I, I do think one real positive is I think they got Leo Rush right this week.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the new presentation in the suit and everything like that, and he's you know the, yeah. the
1: shirtless the shirtless suit versus looking like he's he's you know uh, you know for. <laughs> for lack of a better term, that he's a teenager who just walked out of, you know, a mall. Um, You know, because the the problem is, I think the voice is also part of the presentation. And I think having kind of a higher voice really kind of makes him seem like just some punk kid versus, you know, the million, the 24-carat superstar. No, but that's not the point. That's
0: not the whole thing. He's a 23-year-old piece of shit. That's why he's the 23 year old piece of gold. He's not 24, he's not the 24 carat anything. He's yeah. a piece of shit. Um, and that's the whole, no, I love it. I, I think this is a great gimmick. They, they, a little bit more tweaking, a little bit more leaning into how he's a shipbird. Uh, but this is great. I, I actually think that they're getting very close to having a nice gimmick for Leo Rush. And Leo Rush with the belt as a total garbage champion will be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, you know, I like I like heel champions who can talk smack. I think I think those are the usually your best champions in there. I think Leo Leo Rush just, just and you can you can hear he has it in him. And if they ever because uh, some of the scripting's a little bit clunky when he was. I mean, you could tell they were talking in his headset when he was on commentary.
0: Yeah, if they ever yeah. if
1: they ever trust him to let him loose, which could be a problem from time to time, as as we've already seen. Um, on the mic when he'll say things that just cross the line, but they do get heat. It's just the WWE PG standards don't exactly uh, want them. Um, <laughs> uh, but I I think he's gonna be fine here, and I think he's a welcome addition. But I, I really, that made me happy. I I really was like, yeah, there you go. Stop stop with the hip hop stuff and just make him the smooth player. And I was like, yeah, there, that's it, because. I'll I'll be I'll admit it took me, took me a, a couple of minutes looking at his tights for the man of the hour. It's like what is moth? <laughs> and,
0: well, it's not quite just, goat. It's moth.
1: Yeah, I was like, okay. Oh, that's right. That's what it is. I want to backtrack to SmackDown real quick because there was something I really liked that uh, you know that will counter out counteract all my snark. Loved the tag team match. Loved it.
0: The Rusev Day match, you're speaking of. The
1: Rusev Day sanity match. I loved Eric Young's homage to Cactus Jack doing yep, the elbow yep. off the apron. I loved the way they were. I liked I liked the move of not giving it to the Usos. I did. I think the Usos are right at that point where they're at rock bottom because they've been cooled off a bit, and now they're ready to bring them back a bit. But in the meantime, you stick in the Rusev day, and you go whichever way you're going to go with this. I still think... No,
0: this advances the Aiden English story, too, because Aiden English is the hero of this match. He's Johnny Clutch at the end of this match, and so when we finally he's gonna get... he's going to lose. We- right. <laughs> and when we finally get to that Rusev day not appreciating Aiden English's contributions to this and Lana and Rusev being too into their marriage and not into the friendship enough or whatever, we'll have the... In great Aiden English, and he will point to this moment of we wouldn't have even been there if it hadn't been for my heroics, that sort of thing.
1: I'm thinking that, but I can also see them going, (laughs) oh, he gets to the big point of possibly winning it all, and then he blows it, and then Rusev just thrust kicks him.
0: Right, I okay, can see okay, too. right, and then Aiden's the hero, and we, we now have set it up that way, and we try to get Aiden over as a face. That, that could be the case. I, I think we're going one way or the other with him, though.
1: Look, we, we've misread Rusev all along to this point. Why not just have, have Aiden English actually be the good guy all this time, trying to get the win, and right at his, right at his moment of, oh, man, now they're going to appreciate me, he like blows it for some reason, and Rusev just goes, oh, the hell with you, thrust kicks him, and leaves.
0: You know, on my <laughs> other show, Jeff, I review the writing of Norman Lear, and you make me go through this.
1: Look, most of, look, most of my audience right now is Googling who's Norman Lear. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, all right. So, where do you want to go to next?
1: I want to talk about a very big problem that's happening in NXT right now.
0: We're not gonna talk about the Heartbreak Dad. What's the Heartbreak Dad? Shawn Michaels. He cut a promo, he's gonna face off with The oh. Undertaker.
1: Oh, jeez, I'm so sorry. I feel like idiot. <laughs> oh, God. No, I liked it. I just I, I think they're setting off a one off for Saudi Arabia. Absolutely. No, I thought that Michaels, towards
0: the end of this promo, actually managed to remind people what made Shawn Michaels really good at this stuff by hinting at this yearning of coming back to the ring and staying out of the ring because he respected the Undertaker. The Undertaker goes, oh, is that because you're afraid of me? But if you read the way that Michaels played the lines going up to the Undertaker line, it's almost like he's been wanting to get back in the ring this whole time and it's just gnawing at him. I really enjoyed this for what it was. I mean, You're right, it's going to be a one-off in Saudi Arabia. The money is right, and that's why H.B. Shizzle is there. Also, he wants to move some T-shirts. But, you know, (laughs) whatever, it was The Undertaker. And it was one of the better things on this show.
1: No, no, it's not that. It's just, you know, uh, I'll I'll be honest with you, the Attitude Era, for all it's in, was a little past my time, to be honest with you. I was older by then, so I kind of was like, it didn't, It didn't thrill me like other people did. I I, I was still pining for, you know, my wrestling that had long since, you know, had long since died, but it was still, you know, five or six years in my rear view. So I was like watching this and I was like, okay. And I, you know, I was reading the Internet still and, and, you know, news groups always had what was going on in the newsletter. So I knew, you know, what HBK and Triple H were up to backstage so it was always one of those things where it was always kind of a turnoff to watch these types of programs, so I always kind of gloss over it. So that, No, that's my fault to the audience. I, I apologize for that. I did like the West. Uh, you're taking See, this
0: way more seriously than anyone should. I know. If you actually roast Jeff Hawkins, I, I will come after you. That, that's basically Well, no. no, no, no. I'm, Don't you beat up my friend Jeff Hawkins. It's my job.
1: My job is a critic, and I should be watching it with more of a fair eye than a jaundiced eye. So, yeah, no, this is a big-time program. Um, I like the old, I, I always love any old gunfighter story. I do. It, it's it's one of my favorite things in terms of, because the old old Western movies you can do with moral struggles within people and stuff like that. The struggle to be good, the struggle to be bad.
0: Especially for older wrestlers, too. The story needs to be told leading up to the match, not during mm. the match.
1: Yeah, my my issue with this was, you know what, I, I would have much rather HBK stuck to the, I'm a man of my word, that's why I did it. And that because I did it out of respect for you. It's just, no, it's my word. It's my bond. I said I'd do it and I did it.
0: I did get a kick out of HBK, the defender of the institutions, HBK, friend of the establishment, HBK, defender of norms and traditions. It's like, uh, that's not the Shawn Michaels that I knew from the 1990s.
1: I'm gonna call my shot on this. I think HBK interferes in that yep. Triple H Undertaker match. I think that's right. And and that and that we've created yet another Else world for WWE where these international special events are their own kind of else worlds for WWE, yes. where these things can kinda happen.
0: Yes. It's gonna be an alternate universe thing. And that might explain some of the Bella stuff where we're just setting up angles for Else world whenever they're international.
1: Oh, do you think evolution might be one of those?
0: That could be it. I, I don't know. Um, but I'm definitely with you on this Elseworld theory. I don't know how formalized it's going to be on the writing end of this, but I, I do sort of think that we're entering into, not like uh, TNA with the one-night-only, if you want to go with a different metaphor or more wrestling-oriented metaphor, but we're moving into very much one-night-only universes. Uh,
1: before we get to NXT, I'm going to hit the Mae Young Classic real quick. I don't know if you watched the first episode that dropped this week. I
0: have not. Um... What do I need to see? If I'm gonna catch one match this week, I'm a guy who watches a lot of TV. What am I watching?
1: Uh Mako Satamura versus Killer Kelly. Why? Great match. I, I want when 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 this is all said and done, and maybe in a couple of years, I want I want all the women to sign waivers. I want all the men to get out of the way. I want a separate training center in Florida. And whatever Satamura, Asuka, Io Shirai, and Kyrie, or i won't call her Kyrie hojo but Kyrie Sane, have to do to train these women whatever illegal stuff in 13 states that they probably do in japan to train women to be awesome wrestlers that they do i want them to do to the women at the performance center because she at her advanced age is awesome still i i think I, this was a fun little match the thing that they're doing that's kind of a turnoff, I, I think the commentary this year is better because last year, J.R. and Lita, Lita was okay. Jr. was abysmal, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, he trail. was
0: really, really rough.
1: But Michael Cole is a step up. Beth Phoenix isn't too bad, and, and, and uh, Renee Young's not too bad. The problem is last year they didn't have stories for everybody this this year, everybody has a backstory. everybody has this every you know everybody's kind of has their has their three minutes of why they're in this tournament and what they're going to do and that's interesting, but it's just half this tournament's going to be gone in in you know three weeks so this is the why problem with the
0: tournament story i is what I've always yeah. found is that you have to in order to make this tournament legitimate tell a bunch of stories and everybody's got to have a story but a lot of those stories have to just be complete and total dead ends which from a narrative standpoint is deeply unsatisfying
1: well it's deeply unsatisfying if if it's a movie or if it's like this where it's a bunch of people not in the wwe that they haven't been like you could do stories for all 32 of these competitors if you had had them all in the company doing stuff oh
0: yeah cuz then they do stuff after the tournament coming off of the tournament and they have all these yeah. a and b and c storylines coming out of the tournament sure but the problem is that these people are rentals yeah
1: they kind of did that last year a little bit with a few of the people that they kept like Mer- mercedes martinez you know and and it was it was it was cool but at the same time it's like you know what if you got to build a, if you got to build 32 characters at once you got to give it time you can't just you know you know, they try they try that stuff with the Bracketology to kind of make it do that, but it's like, you know, we're not complete... We can't always be completists. Like, the, the Cruiserweight Classic did a great job of that, but half the people didn't watch the Bracketology, and so they were watching from there, and it's like, for me, okay, I watched Bracketology, so it was very satisfying to see some of these stories for some of the tertiary characters, but at the same time, it's like, okay, if it's an all-in-one type thing, you gotta build that up for a few weeks, so hey maybe introduce people in the weeks prior and go, okay, they're going to be in this tournament. Here's why they're doing it. You know, kind of like the, what they did with Roddy Strong and NXT a little bit. You know, just just give, give a few people some of those. Well, and, my God, they have a network. They could just create shows about this stuff and continue, keep it continually running as a lead-up into it as opposed to like, oh, it's a one-time special Bracketology. We'll see you next week. Let's throw let all 32 people in, you know, take your time, do it. That's why you have a TV network. To build up your product, I mean, do it's... interviews
0: with these wrestlers—ten or fifteen-minute interviews—and just good ones. Air them, good yeah, ones, not Good not, interviews. Not, not... Get a good ten yes. minutes. That's what I'm saying. Interview these people for thirty minutes. Get a good ten-minute edit of that thirty-minute interview and have a show on the network or have a block on the network where you just air six of them for sixty minutes, and we get to know who these people are. Those of us who are real hardcore wrestling fans can go and just have that on and watch that and you don't have to watch that but if you want to watch that you can that's good adjunct material and would be better than some of the stuff that's on the network
1: and this is a perfect segue for my one major beef and you've kind of heard this beef for a couple of weeks now with nxt we have the debut the debut on tv as opposed to just extras in a scene about attacking alistair black we have the debut of the forgotten sons who are uh Steve Cutler uh, Steve Cutler Steve Cutler um
0: Wesley Blake
1: Wesley Blake I was I I was trying to think of Blake's first name I couldn't do. and then uh Murphy the Blake. artist formerly known as the, the artist formerly known as Gunner in TNA
0: I forget what his name is here I think it's Tanner maybe
1: yeah it's it, it's 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 like uh, it's like either a great biker name or a great porn name. I can't remember what it was. I, I hate the way they've been debuting people in NXT, Chris. I absolutely loathe it. Because it's they throw them in there, they do a 50-50 match. Right. And I'm not supposed to know what they're supposed to be. Now, this is where the old school me really gets angry. Okay, No ceiling. One, no, I'm with you. There I should just, be no
0: ceiling on that first week.
1: I just want a week. Give me the give me a give me a vignette of some kind explaining who these guys are, or an interview where they're talking to me in the camera. On week one, that's it. Week two, give them a squash match. This introduces what their style is. This introduces what what each guy brings to the team. This is their finisher. That's all I want to know is what their finisher and what they do is right. Who they are? Why why are they interesting at this point? And then you can put them in. With a team of some rapport r- No, no, no. no. Week to- three,
0: what you do is you bring out big guys. You bring out big, beefy dudes like uh, that job guy from the other week who was, you know, a big brick guy. You bring out beefy dudes and you watch the Forgotten Sons beat the beefy dudes and you go, huh, wow, maybe these yeah. guys are really something. And then week four, they attack the Street Profits and we set up their first feud.
1: Yes, exactly. You set up these things as opposed to throwing them in there with the street profits who need help because you've already been beating them. And they're a great team. They're a team that everybody loves. I still want Montez Ford. I want want a program with him where I can be amazed at what he can do. I feel like... God, I feel like they have training wheels on them still, and it, it's angering me.
0: Yes, I know. I feel like what's going on with them is just not letting the street profits be the street profits. And this is definitely a team that the crowd wants to be behind. I th- am with you. I think you're more sold on them having long form matches than I am necessarily, although I definitely see talent in Ford. But these guys are clearly someone that the crowd wants to view as tag team champions, and now they feel deeply addressed drift and they've had a lot of losses and the losses are starting to add up with them
1: yeah and i'm I'm looking for i mean and now they're going to rehash another feud with the mighty who are just right who they built up for a while and they gave up on and now they're going to try and repackage them as heels but look i want montez Ford jumping off a cage i don't know if angelo dawkins is the right is the right partner for him but i thought angelo dawkins was awesome in that match Problem is he was awesome against a debuting team right. called the Forgotten Suns. Right. Which you're just like Well, what's the point of me investing any time in the Forgotten Suns then? And and it's like, okay, we watched that to watch them get I mean, I think the mighty coming down and stealing the chain
0: that's actually another which, part of the problem of this match too is that this is the forgotten suns debut and not only are they facing one established team but the finish isn't even clean and involves another team which is the team i'm supposed to really give a shit about tm61
1: well i i am i'm, I'm going to defend it a little bit cuz it just it, it's like it ports over so that the you know so that the forgotten suns can either get the cheap win and they don't have to lose in their debut
0: it's their debut, Jeff. They need to win. They don't need yeah.
1: dirtiness. They don't need I, any was, muddiness at all. You're, you're preaching to the choir. I'm trying to be optimistic for once on this show. I he just i I was so frustrated by the entire thing because i've I've literally we've literally gone through a Forgotten Sons match, and the only thing we know is that they can get a good win if someone distracts someone we've learned literally so we're gonna have to reboot it all over again now for me the perfect perfect partner for montez ford and they did this once they did this actually during the uh tapings when they went to saudi arabia what is otis Dozovic. the montez ford otis dozovich heavy profits team is money
0: oh i like that that, i like that and dozovic is going full chris farley now
1: oh my well see that's i know I don't want that. I don't want...
0: Oh, you're getting I, it, my come, man. He is embracing I the Farley.
1: I have come to the conclusion that if, even if Steve, Steve Regal, I almost call him his old WCW name, if William Regal does not solve this mystery, that he should just come out and go, I am in charge of a bunch of morons and miscreants and imbeciles here. These people are all Looney tunes and I quit. And then he maybe he comes out and goes, I attacked Aleister Black for the love of Kathy Kelly. And just, just something just just make this entire thing ridiculous, because watching that that thing, I'm just like, all right, we've I like unrepentant stupidity. Which was Nikki Cross the previous week. You know, last week
0: was good. This week, the Regal Commission was utterly silly.
1: It was it was silly to the point of insulting silly. Yes, as in, absolutely. No, uh, you know, if, if you were going to do that, I want I want Otis Dozovich dressed as Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, you know, something like that, which just, you know, just, just really, just really just make me feel stupid for watching it as opposed to that uh, it's bad comedy WWE that they don't do well.
0: Guy number two should have a very complicated and unclear bulletin board with everybody placed everywhere and strings going all over the place.
1: I want him to snap. I want that dude to snap and just go, Well somebody please take this seriously? Okay,
0: you know what was good <laughs> this week involving that dude? What was great was the interaction with Lars Sullivan, where at one point yes. during the Lars Sullivan interview with William Regal, Sullivan just stops and stares at the second guy, and the second guy's like, gulp, and like stares down, but tries to keep a poker face. It's great. I liked Lars. Lars is right on this line for me, Jeff. Of I enjoy Lars, but Lars also makes me giggle. Kind of like a Sid Vicious or Ultimate Warrior promo makes me giggle. The way he talks is funny to me.
1: Well, the way he talks is funny to me, and I wanted I wanted them to kind of explore that kind of ludicrousness where where he comes to the commission. You know, dressed in a suit with maybe a monocle and a pipe, and he just talks very civilly. well, you know, it wasn't me, old boy. I couldn't have possibly been down there, you know, just doing that whole thing, (laughs) where Regal is just kind of getting enamored and kind of buying in to the cultured giant type thing. I mean, that's the gimmick is he's a cultured giant who uses kind of a Nick Bockwinkle thing where he uses big words. Buy, buy into the culture thing. Buy into what would this guy do if he was going in to be interrogated and possibly, you know, fighting for his life. You know, no, he'd come in with a pipe. Well, you know, Dostoevsky once said that the (laughs) nature, you know, whatever, just go full on and explore that character as opposed to kind of. Lars uh, Sullivan
0: is so totally the type of guy who would quote Nietzsche all over the place and start talking about his will to power. I believe it was Frederick Nietzsche. Who said man is constantly striving? I am striving, Commissioner Regal. I'm striving for the NXT title.
1: What is it that John Milton said about free will? And <laughs> you know, whatever, just go, go with it, man. Get, you know, take that leash off and unleash that creativity. Because I miss NXT being kind of that art school on social media that they used to do all the time and you can just see the creativity in the people getting those characters over i I mean this is a good thing but i want more creativity from these guys i mean i i i'm i like it's it's a noble effort but it's still being done a little bit half-assed in my opinion uh, what, and finally, I guess on for the NXT, Velveteen Dream, Johnny Gargano. Good match.
0: The finish. Um, I enjoyed the person in the audience who screamed audibly. Think about the children, Johnny. <laughs> But then the match, at least for me, got a little silly when the Dream screams, you're a failure at Johnny, and I get it, I understand the defense here is, ah, the Dream's pushing buttons on Johnny Gargano and everything, but we're trying to get the Dream, at least as far as I can tell, eventually to being a babyface. There is one listener to the show here who who will remain nameless because what he would like is for me to name him on the air, but I'm not going to, who seems to be very obsessed with the... the Velveteen Dream and whether or not he's an Exotico. So Jeff Hawkins on behalf of this person who makes fun of my standard transmission metaphor for wrestling quality, mind you, this horrible harasser, on behalf of him, Jeff Hawkins is the Velveteen Dream wrestling an Exotico gimmick? Oh my
1: god! (laughs) Um, no! I think it's, I think he's I think he's working the dandy gimmick. From, from I mean... we've The El Dandy as, gimmick?
0: Like, who are you to no, doubt? No, 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 no,
1: no. No, 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 no. The guy who seems very fey, but... Yeah, no, no, no I, he... I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that. I, I still think he's trying to be some he's Prince. amalgam of... That's
0: what I was saying to him. Prince. Yeah, he's Prince. And I asked him, is Prince an Exotico? And uh, the the answer I got back was, is he? And I don't know, but my answer is, if you think Prince is an Exotico, then I guess the Velveteen Dream's an Exotico. But I sort of see him as... Playing in the lane of Lenny Kravitz, Prince, Jimi Hendrix, w- w- somewhere in there, a little bit of Rick James, maybe.
1: I have, I have, I have that. I have those. I have Jimi Hendrix. I have uh, Meshach Taylor from Mannequin, and and maybe Dwayne Wayne in some way from a different world. Maybe that's the glasses talking to me though. I like I like the stupidity of the glasses with the third lens. No, I love that. Cyclops.
0: No, 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 no. His third eye is open. That he sees the world the way it really is. (laughs) That's what's going on there. He's got the vision, my man. He's got the vision. I, I you know, I like what the Velveteen Dream is doing here is sort of the shorthand on that. Johnny Gargano, where are we at with this angle? I know you're not super hot on Johnny and Ciampa. Uh, I'm not either, but I'm interested to see if this moves the needle for you all one way or the other.
1: I, I disagree. I am hot on Ciampa and, and Gargano. I just think they need to pull the trigger on, on Gargano finally regretting what he had become and stopping it, because I think it's oh, okay. gone on for far too long.
0: Oh, I think it's going to go on and, a lot longer. I think he's yeah, going to descend and, further.
1: And I think part of the problem here is to, at this set of tapings, I th- and look, here it comes again, Jeff's going to audience shame a little bit. Not too much, but a little bit. I think the audience is ahead of the story here, and they're trying to drive it with the chance. Because I don't think they were supposed to do the Johnny Failure Line, not not. It was too early, right? Like this was this, supposed to happen this, this week, week, and then last next week. week. Well, well, no, last week they start when they started doing it, and they started kind of mocking him for it. I, I, I just think I, I keep thinking this was an unintentional turn by the audience for Gargano when we were supposed to feel sympathy for him, you know, for the Alistair Black stuff, and I, I think really. They're 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 trying to be one one step ahead of the story here, and it, it's is that it's their a fault? Disconcerting,
0: or is that no. the writing's no, fault it's not. for being it's kind of f- convoluted no. in terms of who's good, who's bad? It, like Black's there, but the Black Gargano Champa interplay has been made, in my opinion, too gray.
1: No, no, you're you're exactly right. I'm I'm in the wrong here. I, I sh- it's not the audience's fault. It's it, the, the the writing should be better to get the reaction or they should allow people to be able to cut promos where they can, you know, change on a dime or subtly get somewhere. Because, but the problem is, you know, they go, you got to go out there and do this. And if it's not working, they don't have the ability to change it because they have plans and it's, you got to change a lot just, of things
0: all of a sudden, if you're going to move one thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. So, but that's, that's pretty much, I mean, uh, you know, that, that's pretty much, I I don't, I still don't see Velveteen Dream as a baby face. I'm going to be very interested to see what he does in Evolve this weekend. Um, I think mean, that's going to be kind of cool because he's going back to his hometown to, uh, to wrestle for, uh, old Gabe and Evolve out there. Um, oh, the big news of the week. We forgot Daniel Bryan has signed his contract to stay with WWE, which It takes a little bit out of the indie scene. Any thoughts on that?
0: Well, he's been having so many great matches since he came back. It will be good for him to be around here more.
1: (laughs) I I think this is the the move he was going to make to keep the wife happy. Yeah, this is the good
0: money move, and he can do on camera, or he can also go back to maybe they'll put him on a panel again. Maybe they won't ever let him do a panel show ever again. Although I wish he would, because I loved him. Any time they give him a live microphone,
1: well, don't get me wrong. They they have. I mean, it, it, when I say it's to make his wife happy, I don't mean it's only to make his wife happy. Because there are plenty of his friends from the Indies.
0: Well, they have the Total Bellas contract, right? It would just be weird if he – I mean, he could do it, but it would be weird if he was doing the Jericho thing right now with WWE so invested in the Bellas.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I, I just I, – I didn't mean to imply that, oh, the only reason he stays because his wife has a gig with Total Bellas and stuff like that. No, I think that's a factor, but you know what? The lighter schedule, he has still has friends there. It's not like – you know, I—I everybody kind of – painted it on that. Well, there's all these super matches he could do elsewhere. And then everybody thought that if he stayed, he could do these super matches with, you know, Joe and, you know, Almus and stuff like that. But it's just like, well, maybe, you know what? Maybe it's just better. The known versus the unknown. It could be as simple as that. I mean, we, 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 we when we hear these news in the commentary, because we're reading newsletters, we're listening to podcasts, you know, we make up these stories in our head And it could be just a very simple explanation and, and, you know, why, why read too much into it? It's, it's because we have to, (laughs) because we have to fill airtime. That's why Hawkins. Well, I would be remiss if I did not end this show by mentioning the death of a guy kind of near and dear to my heart because I grew up in ACC country. I went to an ACC school, Mike Hogwood, the former uh, play by play guy for ring of honor passed away big time um, big time commentator in terms of he was a sideline reporter I think he did a couple of studio shows for like ACC basketball ACC football bit of a part of my youth very sad to see him go. I thought he was a game pro wrestling announcer even if he wasn't the best at it and of course he gave us the term slap the porpoise which will always go down near and dear to my heart Chris, where can the people find you?
0: You can find me. All over iTunes, I have no fewer than five podcasts that I am now associated with. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O, and now I will list off those podcasts. It's Don't Worry About the Government, which you can find at DontWorry.tv. Also, search iTunes and Stitcher for Don't Worry About the Government. My homepage for that is Patreon.com patreon.com/dwatg. I also host Lucha of the Hidden Temple, which you can hear right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I also host the All in the Family Podcast, which you can find at All in the and by going to slash All in the Family. And I am also now, Jeff, the producer for My History Can Beat Up Your Politics, which you can find at My History Can Beat Up Your Politics.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. If you haven't listened to Bruce Carlson's work over there, it's great work. I'm super happy to be associated with his product and am very glad to be on future upcoming episodes so look for me to be showing up there and also look for me to be just behind the scenes making the bells the whistles and the episodes flow all nice and pretty
1: i am retired from political podcasting in any way shape or form i just do the graps you can go over to fightful.com listen to me do the all in post show with sean ross app over there you can follow the show at shake them ropes you can follow my banality at Crap Game13. You can follow the show, or again, you go to the voicesofwrestling.com slash STR. Go join the forums. Lots of smart people over there. Some of them even fans of the show, some of them not. <laughs> Talking wrestling. For Shake Them Ropes, for Chris Novembrino, I'm Jeff Hawkins. We'll see you next week. I'm not eating a hat.